0: the world needed and needs a platform to be able to employ people literally anywhere. Who's to say that that individual doesn't live in Sri Lanka? They don't live in Togo. They don't live in London, right? The hardest part, and here's the thing, here's the next step on the journey and and the evolution of this entire world is now we've got to figure out how best to find and engage those individuals. I'm the son of a nuclear physicist and a health educator. There's no business in my family. So when I started this thing, you know, the imposter syndrome was ringing loud.
1: This is the Proco 360 podcast. I'm Dave Tabor hosting Proco 360 because I love Colorado and I love getting to know Colorado's entrepreneurs. Today's episode features Ben Wright, founder, chairman, and CEO of Velocity Global. Velocity Global helps its clients grow by seamlessly connecting them with talent on one platform so they can easily expand and hire across global markets. Among its many recognitions, Velocity Global started only eight years ago, has become a Colorado unicorn valued at over a billion dollars. It is an Inc. 500 company and Ben was named a national finalist as the EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Ben and I will be talking about Velocity Global success and quite a bit about the evolution and trajectory of a distributed workforce. And Ben, there are four, I mentioned this before we started, there are four debated aspects of remote work that I really want to explore with you. So you ready?
0: I am excited. Let's do this, Dave. Good.
1: Yeah, we've been talking about this for months and I'm glad we're <laughs> together in the, in the podcast studio. And uh, so first thing, I, I know I gave a quick overview. You can probably give a better one.
0: Oh, man, you did a great job. Um, you did a great job. Born and raised in New Mexico. Been living in Colorado now for a dozen years. Family goes back a long time. Uh, so you and I are both here in uh, Denver, Colorado. Proud that I, I started my company um, and we have built it here in Colorado. It's been a great place to do business. Oh, my gosh. Colorado's been a great place to do business. City of Denver, but state of Colorado in particular. Um, yeah, and it's just been an amazing run, yes. man. So what is the origin story? The origin story. So how far back do I go? Um, sort of my career in public accounting of all things. Okay. So I was okay, that may
1: be not the most interesting part of the
0: origin story. <laughs> but, so. I don't know though, but how many CPAs, you know, to go on to start kind yeah, of, that's uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, unicorns, right? It, yeah. It's unusual, but I, I cut my teeth in, in, I don't know, you know, global. Cause I had a lot of global clients and around compliance. Um, and most recently I was with a company and we helped our clients go. I was an employee. I'm a first time entrepreneur here with mm-hmm. Velocity Global, right? So that's just to be clear. I was uh, an employee at a company and we helped our clients go global in terms of setting up their subsidiaries and things everywhere. And I'll never forget. It was actually a Colorado company of all things. I was sitting across from them and they said, hey, we've got this person. We need to hire them in Saudi Arabia. Can you help? And I said, sure. Here's how you set up a Saudi Arabia company mm. so you can employ someone. And very, very quickly, the CFO stopped me, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to spend all that money and all that time. And, and like, this doesn't make sense just to hire one person. Can't you just employ him for me? Hmm. And I thought, well, that's actually a really interesting concept. At that point, I ran partnerships globally for this company, and I looked around, and I literally couldn't find another company doing this. And it so happened that over the next couple months, probably a half dozen times, that same conversation came up. And so Dave, you know, I brought it to our founder and I said, we ought to be in this space. And you and I are here talking today because he said he wasn't interested. (laughs) Um, and at the time I remember being kind of pretty bummed out, but it's what launched me into becoming a first time entrepreneur and starting this business. And, you know, we are eight years in, but it is, it's been unbelievable. I mean, we grew this thing, we bootstrapped a business from zero to over a hundred million in revenue in seven Mm. years. And
1: do I understand it's always been profitable every year? Yeah. So that's something, if we have time, I want to talk about that notion of bootstrapping why and and staying profitable because that's, I'm just going to ask, I mean, that is pretty unusual right now. Tech companies, like you're not supposed to grow that way. You're supposed to borrow a shit ton of money and then hope you don't run out before you have to get the next round.
0: Yep. Until first quarter, 2022, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the first quarter of 2022 when rational thinking sort of returned back to the marketplace, right? I mean, I'll I'll date myself a little bit. You know, I started my career in the dot-com boom. And very shortly after was the dot-com bust. And the lessons uh, we learned from that is you can't necessarily just grow at any cost. Uh, right?
1: No, I sold my company during the dot-com bust. Not the best timing. Yeah.
0: Not the best timing. <laughs> no. Right?
1: Do you wish you would have sold it during the uh, boom? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Six months, man. Life would be different. Isn't it crazy to yeah. imagine? Well, I now, know. rather than dwelling on the past like okay. that, let's – Um, I, I do want to talk about the difference real quickly between remote work, which we're all talking about now, and distributed work, which is really your
0: business, right? Or are they the same? It, you know, th- they're, they're very similar, Right, They're very, very similar. I mean, remote work, l- let me put it to you this way. We did a study a couple quarters ago. We, we paid a company to help us put on the study, interviewed a thousand tech companies. And one of the things that really stood out for me is we asked them, you know, about their employees and two thirds of the employees at those companies said in the next 12 months, they want to work from a different location Hmm. from where they currently happen to be. Now, Hmm. you and I both know not every one of those two thirds are going to actually work from a different location, but they want the freedom and the flexibility to do so. And it's not just the rank and file. If you looked at director and above, it's three out of every four. Hmm. And so across the organization, people want that flexibility. That's remote work. When it becomes more sustained and maybe you become a nomad and -hmm, continually mm -hmm. move around or you get down to Costa Rica for three months and you say, you know what, actually, this is where I Mm want to post up. That's distributed work.
1: Hmm. It sounds like a gray Sort of uh, like a continuum, really. But I, I was thinking, like, distributed was kind of like what you were describing with somebody in Saudi Arabia versus like remote, meaning I've got an office for Velocity Global in Denver, but I want to work from my house. That to me, that seemed more remote versus distributed. But maybe there's really no difference. You got to treat, it. but you do treat them differently because if if I work for Velocity Global and I live in Evergreen, it's a way different deal
0: than if I live in Saudi Arabia, right? Dave, are you setting me up to like pitch my business here? (laughs) Because like, this is literally, this is why we exist. Yeah. This is why in seven years we grew to nine figures of revenue because the world needs a platform. And again, I'm not doing this to pitch velocity global, but the world needed and needs a platform to be able to employ people literally anywhere. Once upon a time, It was harder to work remotely, right? You didn't have offices, you didn't have infrastructure, it's hard to get Wi Fi. Wi Fi wasn't necessarily a thing you said to to actually plug your computer in. Now, for the first time, you really have access and resources. You've got Airbnb where you got a place to stay right? You've got UpFlex or, uh, you know, or some of these
1: where you can yeah. get an office. But these aren't the enablers you're talking about. The enablers you're talking about are the ability to pay people in whatever currency, the ability to keep them legal regardless of where they're working, right? These are, I mean, the internet is not what enabled you. It's the platform
0: you created, right? To be clear? Yes. The platform that we created was the ability to enable that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's the the company who says I need to employ – I got an email today from someone who said, can you support an employee in Togo? Yeah. And it's actually a tech company who's looking to employ somebody in Togo. That's yeah. like distributed work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah. So of course we can and, – and I also wrote I intend to travel there for uh, the next two, now, 12 months. Do
1: they – just to clarify too, do they become your employees uh, working for them? You're the employer of record, is that right? To clarify,
0: there's basically three different models. So our primary platform is a called an employer of record, and that employee in Togo or mm-hmm. London um, would become an um, technically an employee of ours. Yeah, but under complete control of the client. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It looks and feels just like your employee, yeah. your employee. You also can call them a contractor. So you don't have an employee employer relationship and there's different things to that. That means, you know, you're not as a company contributing to social insurances, the employees responsible for their taxes. There's pros and cons to that. Yeah. The third is that you just actually go set up and register a company in Togo and employ them directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, but we can also still help with ongoing payroll and compliance and, uh, employment yeah. benefits. So, uh,
1: all right. So, I'm not going to get too much in the weeds on that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody wants to learn more about it, they can go to Velocity Global, they I can think figure so that so. out. Um, I, I'm intrigued by the, the trends that have happened with remote work because there were some who were early adopters, were believers before COVID. Then there were some that became believers during COVID because we all had to, there was no choice. And, and now as we emerge out, there's this new try-to-figure-this-out kind of thing. What really intrigues me are the, the, are the kinds of companies that adopted before COVID, are they different from the kinds of companies that are now adopting remote distributed work?
0: You know, the pandemic forced many companies into what a small set of companies had done which embraced remote work, Right there is a handful of companies and i from my experience i mean we literally support thousands and thousands of companies and tens of thousands of employees so i've got pretty good data set here when i tell you there's 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 a small number of companies that are kind of reverting back and saying you need to come back into the office or have to come back into the office um but the vast majority that i talk to are you know continuing to do remote work or potentially thinking about some sort of hybrid Everybody is saying, I wonder where this is actually uh, going to end I up. I know. I speak to CEOs
1: every day, and it seems that everybody's sort of like trying to put their arms around a policy without making it hard and st- etched in stone where they have to backtrack, but they don't want to – it's really – I want to dig into a couple of
0: those things, but you must be seeing that a lot. And Dave, you know, for the business leaders listening to us here today, I'll tell you one thing. I've had one instance and literally one, one instance secondhand of where somebody told me there was an employee that wanted to come work for them, but when they found out they were remote or distributed or not fully in the office, they passed the offer. That's only one compared to countless of the employees saying, oh, you don't offer remote or you don't offer distributed. Well, this is not the job for me.
1: Yeah. I want to dig into that well, actually, before I move on, I was going to thank my sponsors. But, you know, as we're talking about this to contextualize it, I think most of us, when we talk about distributed workforce, remote workforce, digital nomads, we're all thinking about tech, 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 tech. Mm-hmm. Is there, are, are there extensions outside of tech that we should that be aware of that you're seeing? I mean, are there construction industries? Are there, you know, manufacturing companies that are using remote and distributed
0: workforce in ways that we're not thinking of? we support tens of thousands of employees in 150 plus countries and all 50 united states and only 40% of those are tech.
1: Really? Yep. So it is so, the largest it is the largest sector. But are they all tech workers in other industries?
0: Like you could work for a manufacturing company and be a, uh, you know, do CAD. That's tech. So when we talk about outside the U.S. borders, and it's it's kind of different inside U.S. borders, but, you know, because the states themselves are hard enough to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But outside the U.S. borders, but pre-pandemic, the number one job that we supported was— country expansion, business development sales. The number two Hmm. was ENG and developers and coders, Mm -hmm, okay? mm -hmm. Um, Post-pandemic, we're seeing it be just about anybody, Hmm. right? It's literally just about anybody, particularly those companies that are saying, you know, we're going to allow you the opportunity to work anywhere. And companies across the rank and file are taking up that opportunity. That's interesting.
1: Business development, that does make perfect sense because you want people wherever they are on the ground, but yeah,
0: that's cool. Now we're entering into a difficult economic environment, right? I believe it's going to be a recession. Yeah. I've heard some people say they don't think so. I think yeah, they're crazy. Yeah. This yeah. is a recession. It's coming. Um, what Once that realization really sets in, companies are going to take this remote and distributed work idea, and they're going to actively start seeking employees in locations that are potentially more cost effective. Mm. And it may even be that employee who says, I'll go work for you in Costa Rica at 70 cents on the dollar. And you say, fantastic, let's go do that.
1: Wow. That's a very interesting thought provoking. But you know, I've I've actually, um, I've heard of companies that were built They located in low-cost areas and then were baffled, actually messed up their business model because they thought, oh, I'm going to go have a company in Grand Junction. I'm going to hire coders there and it's going to be a lot less expensive. But now they're competing with Amazon for the same coders (laughs) even though they're living in Grand Junction. Yep. Uh, So this is a – it's a tricky place. Hey, I want to remind listeners this is Proco 360, named Best Denver Podcast, three years running, and the last two years named Best Colorado Business Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. My guest today is Ben Wright of Velocity Global. Thanks to our sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Steve Kinsley is Proco 360's longest running sponsor. And as in person meetings, come back. Kinsley Meetings is a great resource you can count on. Give them a shout. Also, uh, Via Technologies, they host Proco 360, a very data-heavy site that Clint and the Via team keep running smoothly. Finally, Colorado Biz Magazine. We're in partnering uh, to grow our audiences together, audience who share a love for Colorado business. So please go to Proco360.com and check out the sponsors. All right. I want to get back to Um, the idea of, I think there are four, I'm going to call them skepticisms around this. And I want to talk through them because I think, um, I I think they're really at the core of what's going on. I mean, even you, by the way, you guys have great videos and there are two ads, one with the mantra, I can work from anywhere. And another one says, I can hire anyone anywhere. They're really compelling videos. And so there are these four skepticisms I want to explore. And the first one, I'm going to give you a little bit of a speech because I am fascinated by this book I'm reading by Ed Catmull who's the co-founder of Pixar it's called Creativity Inc mm. and he talks about the amazing team dynamics when he gets a group together in a room called the Brain Trust and they dissect through their movies and all that kind of stuff and it it just strikes me that that would not work the same way remotely so throwing it out there what's your
0: take <laughs> i just hired a chief product officer um, and we are just about to wrap up uh, the hiring of a chief technology officer, um, a, 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 a new chief technology officer for the organization. They both happen to be, uh, assuming, you know, we'll know by the time this, this air drops, right? Um, <laughs> but assuming the person joins, they're both actually going to be in the Bay Area. And the chief product officer, when she joined, she said, How do you feel about me getting an office in San Francisco? And that's exactly what she talked about. She said, there are times where we need to come together. And for the record, we do have a headquarters here in Denver, Colorado. It's open. People just don't necessarily come in all that much, but they use it as a place for periodically, and particularly our engineering teams, to come in, whiteboard, do that. And I said, I'm all for it. The chief technology officers that I interviewed as well said the exact same thing. You know, there's times where it really helps to have people in. And I don't think it's just that. My chief revenue officer said, you know, when we have an SDR team, there is something that you just can't really replace of he, the, the competition, the camaraderie of the, the team that's in there making the phone calls and learning off of one yeah. another. There are roles where that's really helpful. So would you encourage your clients who are distributed
1: to have quarterly, monthly, whatever, periodic, would you say that's part of best practice of having a distributed workforce to have people in a room, the right people together face to face from time to time?
0: Unquestionably right unquestionably and that's in my mind where like the hybrid concept comes in you need to be able to have a landing place for people periodically to come together we as a company um partner with an organization called Upflex it's it's fantastic it's like we work only way more flexible globally And we actually pay for the service so that our employees anywhere in the world can go into a local office. Maybe you need to get out of the house because there's something happening today or the babysitter or the nanny or whatever happens to be there. And you just need a place to go work. Um, Or maybe you want to get your team together. So that part's really huge. Beyond that, actually next week we have our annual company get together and we bring the entire company globally into Denver, Colorado. We've been wow. doing this. How many people? We're getting close to a thousand. Yeah, that's a big expense' It's, it's a no uh, doubt it's a big yeah, expense, yeah. and we we're talking to our investors about this, right? said, guys, listen, I understand that we, you know we're looking at ways to obviously remain lean, stay profitable as an organization. But this is so critical to the culture of the company, right? This is not, yes, we get folks together and we have fun, but it's also literally just like spending time together. And that's when teams on their own are getting breakout rooms and they're doing whiteboarding and they're doing strategy sessions. And it, it, it's all of that that comes together and it really adds to the overall culture of the company.
1: Well, and that was my second point. My second category of skepticism was general overarching culture. And, you know, it's, I get it if you're bringing people together, but that's once a year. You know, are the, is this simply a trade off where you sacrifice a little bit of culture for a lot of flexibility? You laugh.
0: I've been reflecting on if, if I, or we had started, if I had started this company um, cause I guess I'm the sole founder, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if yeah. I had started this company purely distributed, would we have the culture that we have today? And in some ways it kind of amazes mm-hmm. me. I literally had a conversation earlier today with one of my colleagues and I said, what's before we start, tell me one thing that's working really well. And she said, culture, culture. Um, and I, We are so focused on having a strong and positive culture as an organization, you know, transparency, equality, looking out for one another. You know, we have our values, velocity, integrity, be bold, empowerment, service, right? right? Living those things every single day. I feel a lot of that was inculcated from in-office time. And that now, you know, people who've been around here for a number of years are the culture carriers that continue to carry that on. I don't know the answer to that question. Uh-huh. What I can tell you is, in our case, the culture has continued to remain strong because of those culture carriers.
1: All right. So that brings to my third skepticism, which is newbie hires. You hear a lot of concern about newbie hires. But You mentioned how the culture has carried on forward from when it started. And all.
0: What do you do about newbie hires who are remote and distributed? We all still look to As a human species, we all still look to one another for what is the social norms, what good looks like. And even if you're not in the office together, you're picking that up on phone calls, on Zooms, in emails, in Slacks. You're seeing and you're learning and you're picking up, you know, as long as you have some level of EQ, yeah. you're picking up what good looks like.
1: So this is one of the continued skepticisms because it has, you do hear about, you know, people who are new at work who, you know, newly hired just aren't quite feeling it. You know, are, is that – am I right to have that skeptic, skepticism? Are some of your clients – and are you helping them figure out ways to get people more integrated?
0: Yes. It, 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 you can't paint everyone with the same brush. I was in London – Earlier this year, seeing, you know, was there for work, was there for some meetings. And we got, sent a note to the folks, hey, if you happen to be in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unlike coming into the office, right? But if you happen yeah. to be in London, you want to go out to lunch, let's come get together. We had folks going to come in from all over. Cool. I had a colleague who was four weeks in. And someone had mentioned that we have an office uh, currently in London. And the reason we have an office in London is because if you're going to sponsor work permits for people in London, you're required to have an office space where they can send information and so on and so forth. And he goes, <gasps> That's wonderful. I'm going to start coming into the office. Where is it? And they said, here's where it is. But be aware, it's only enough seats for about four people. And people don't usually come in. And you could see him in his face. Like, oh, no, there's not a place for me to go. But yet for quite a few other people, right, um, that's okay. And so it it really depends. I, I don't think you can paint every single person with the same brush. We all are on different points and needs from a social spectrum, right? Extroverts, uh, introverts, ambiverts.
1: And I just think it all really depends. All right. I'm going to let that one go. Um, As not fully resolved and yet, okay, we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. I mean, it seems like like companies are making it work, you know? So Uh,
0: even better than making it work, right? Even better than making it work. I mean, look what happened the last two years. I know there's macroeconomic factors like the investor community that just continually drives up valuations and then eventually it crashes, right? Mm-hmm. But valuations of tech companies yeah. were at all-time highs for the last two years, yeah, right? Yeah. Profitabilities were high. And honestly, the fundamentals of business are not what's driving the macroeconomic issues right now. No, so companies are right. actually really doing well. Well,
1: and and the the metrics around efficiency and productivity and so forth, yeah.
0: Now, But you also have those people – who are and I haven't personally heard of any of this yes. within our company, but it, I'm guessing it may exist. Who knows? I just haven't found it. Yet. There are those people who have two jobs I or know, three that was jobs.
1: My, that was my next question, and, and I've titled it "A Fair Effort for Pay," and that was my fourth skepticism. Which are these reports of people, just like you said, they've got two jobs, employers don't know it, they may even be outsourcing their job to somebody cheaper, and then yeah. So, what are your
0: clients thinking about that? What are you thinking about that? What is that? Somebody told me a term the other day, 200,000ers or something like that. Did you hear about this? No, but is that the. the I'm probably going to botch it. Yeah, but what yeah, somebody yeah. told me was there's a movement afoot of, you know, th- this group of people, you know, come together and let's all figure out a way where we can all get to $200,000 versus um, worth of income by taking on multiple jobs. And here's the ch- tricks here's how you oh, get, a, get away yeah. with it. Yeah. Here's my answer to that. Right. To thine own self be true. Uh, Are you, are you earning your income? Right. Um, and I'm not sitting here, I'm not going to sit here on a soapbox and like wag my finger at you. Like thou shalt or shall not do that. It comes down to to you as an individual, right? Uh, There have been moments in my career where I haven't felt like I've earned my income. I mean, I think of one job in particular, I won't bore you with the details of it, but I got spun out the first week of work and I was completely ineffective for the next nine months mm. and I got fired. And I have to tell you through those nine months at that job, and it was earlier in my career, I was so depressed, right? Because I was taking an income, but I wasn't earning it mm-hmm. because I didn't do the work required to get that done. So if your whole job in life, your whole ethos is I have to get to a dollar figure of income, right? Yeah. And not actually give something back in return for it. It's pretty hollow and empty. So does that mean that that sort of suggests that
1: employers who rely on distributed workforce ought to be looking at selection factors around character as much as around skill set? What does it have to do with distributed workforce? <laughs> oh, you know, that's fair. You, that's a really fair comment. Yeah. And listeners, you didn't get to see his, uh, Ben's shocked face when I said that. And you know, you're exactly right to point
0: that out. That's actually, of course. You got to hire for character, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to hire for character. Who no, cares I'm about experience? For even saying that? No, <laughs> gosh. It was a perfect setup. Um, no, that's what you got to hire for. You have to hire good quality human beings. Yeah. Who, by the way, don't all look alike and sound alike and, right, come from the same backgrounds. A richness of dialogue and experience, but you have to hire high-character people. Yeah.
1: Well, the – this is one of the things you said. They don't have to look alike. They don't have to be – you know, that – it would strike me that that this mechanism of worker globally really does take down walls around discrimination for the wrong reasons.
0: I am so excited – um, bringing it back to kind of my own personal experience. I have a chief impact officer joining in the later part of this year, and she is amazing and dynamic. And when we started talking about what this platform, we're forget about velocity global, but just this platform, what this platform can do for access to people anywhere. You're telling me the very best software developer for this very next project lives in mountain view right? Who's to say that that individual doesn't live in Sri Lanka. They don't live in Togo. They don't live in London, right? Mm -hmm. The hardest part. And here's the thing. Here's the next step on the journey and and the evolution of this entire world is now we've got to figure out how best to find and engage those individuals. Once we figure that out. And by the way, that's one of the things that we're innovating on, you know, at velocity global, there's gonna be more to come on that. But once you find that individual, And again, because they happen to be around the world, you may not even get on a video call. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't
1: matter what star they were born under. Yeah. Well, now, are there, you mentioned some workers who kind of wanted to have more face time with their colleagues and so forth. Are there concerns around things like less visibility means less opportunity, means less job certainty, things like that?
0: two or three months into the pandemic. How come you laugh
1: at all my questions? (laughs) (laughs) Because you just, you make
0: me think of all these stories. Oh my gosh, it's like, this we're we're totally set up. Uh, Because I have like the perfect story for this. I had two or three months into the pandemic, because I joke with some of my friends who are executives about this specific example. Two or three months into the pandemic, we polled all of our employees and we said, just tell us how you're feeling, right? How are you feeling? Where do you want to work? What does this look like? One of the questions we asked is, what do you think your promotion and job, you know, future job prospects look like in a remote environment? And it wasn't significantly more than 50%, but the majority did say, I think my ability to be promoted will be enhanced in a remote environment. And I have to tell you, to this Mm. day... I kind of scratched my head. Why? On that one. Why do you think that is?
1: Did you ask why they think why they said that?
0: No, because we didn't just want to pepper people with a whole bunch of polls and yeah, you know yeah, everything yeah. else. So I never followed up with it. Um, if any of the Velocity Global employees are listening, and you have do, ping me, Slack me, and tell me exactly why you wrote that. Um, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me because there is always going to be an element of inhumanity proximity bias. And the more that we're around one another, the more that we're thinking about one another. And there's a part of, if I have an urgent need or an opportunity, I'm going to first think about those that are kind of closest and around me. And that's just how the human mind works. Yeah, you're familiar. Yeah. Yeah, you're familiar. Um, Does that mean you can't get promoted? No, it doesn't. Uh But it just means that you may need to... Approach being available and familiar in slightly yeah, different ways. Yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, you're listening to Proco360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. This episode is with Ben Wright of Velocity Global. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible, like that great one, Creativity Inc. Super cool. You'd think it's just about animation and all that, but it really is about the the um, challenge of managing um, teams and creativity within an, or- uh, an orchestrated environment is pretty interesting. Anyway, I highly recommend it. But let's switch on um, to you've got five values at Velocity Global. You mentioned I want to talk about a couple of them. Mm. One is velocity itself, is one of your values. And so I, I'm curious because you've grown super fast. So, how do you focus on velocity short of reckless? <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's wonderful examples of Velocity with recklessness out there. I interviewed a candidate for one of those senior roles very recently who comes from – recently left and comes from a tech company that is – I'm not going to name. Yeah. But it comes from a tech company that is notorious you know, in multiple instances, this founder, of cutting corners along the way, getting these incredibly large valuations, growing companies like crazy – and in, in one or two cases, I mean, the companies literally fell apart like a house of cards eventually because the foundation was not strong enough. They're at it again at this latest mm. company um, that has an incredible valuation and it's on the tips of everyone's tongues uh. and you're kind of going, oh, my gosh. There is a balance. You need to spend enough time focused on building a solid platform, right? Yeah, but this is your first company. How do you how You don't know how to do it. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I also don't know how these entrepreneurs are successful when they start their companies at 22. You know, my case, I started my company in my mid 30s, and at least I had a number of years Uh, under my belt in the working world. Some
1: perspective, yeah.
0: I I chalk that up as at least having some perspective. Um, But will you ever know the exact right answer to it? No. But what I'll tell you is, and what we always tell our team is if you're 90% certain of the answer in the moment, Then you go, yeah, because you spend ninety nine percent of your time in the last ten percent, right? right. Getting to that answer, and the good news is, is if you don't get it right, you then you fix it, yeah. And if you fix it ninety percent of the time, you're then ninety nine percent right faster than you would have been otherwise. That's that's a great way to look at it, yeah. But I'll tell you, you know, now that we have close to a thousand employees and you know, hundreds of millions in revenue. And as you talked about, multi-billions in valuation, it gets harder to move with velocity. Yeah. And that's the thing that keeps me up at night. And that's the thing that just drives me crazy sometimes is there is a balance and you have to, you do have to, when you achieve certain size, you do have to, you know, start kind of girding against and being very purposeful about maintaining the velocity that got you to where you were. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and at some point, look, I mean, you know, Netflix get, gets criticized because it only grew by eight percent. You know, and I mean, look when you're when you're on the hockey stick, eventually, like the world runs out of people, and and you know, growth can't. I don't know. I, it, that's how I look at it. It's Like, at what point can you just be a great business? You know, and
0: yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely right. But then we all look at Snowflake and go, oh, all right, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I want to talk,
1: shifting gears, to one other value. Um, this one just made me curious. We don't talk about it a lot, but the value of integrity, because integrity that what we consider to be the value maybe based in the United States. I mean, around the world, integrity looks different, right? People determine it
0: differently. And you're around the world. Amen. So, so how do you, do you have to look at that, explore that? Uh, unquestionably. Absolutely. We have to take a look at it. And we spend, you know, a lot of time engaging our teams all across the world to help us make sure that we're using the right words, um, that we're thinking about it correctly. And that honestly, we're not applying our own lens and bias to a local, yeah, you know, culture. Um, the thing I've always found that's attractive about the word integrity and the reason we chose it. And by the way, we set these values aside and wrote them down in year two or three of the company when we only had a handful of people outside the Mm -hmm. U.S., but we said, we're going places. And so let's make these generally immutable across the world. Mm. And so we chose the word integrity because at its core level, it's just you do the right thing, right? You speaking back to am I going to take multiple jobs and work and game the system, that's not integrity, right? Um, you're actually going to get further at the end of the day. If you don't cut corners, it's what I tell my kids all the time. I know you don't want to do this one thing right now, but if you cut this corner, you may cut corners elsewhere in your life. And you just have to trust me. If you do, if you put in the hard yards, if you do the right thing, it will all pay off at the end of the day. All right. I, uh, thank you for that. I want to shift.
1: I should have brought this up before, but I was having a conversation, uh, recently with, a young a young woman who works at a tech company that's growing really fast. And one of the points that came out was that while senior management brought on sort of skilled, um, seasoned managers underneath them to sort of help because they, they had grown so quickly, that it seemed like the middle managers were all people who were just had started when the company was little and had grown automatically into these middle management roles, but didn't really know how to manage. And there was like this disconnect there that was palpable. What do you, what do you think of that? And have you experienced that at Velocity Global? Uh,
0: We've experienced it in pockets. Um, we've also not experienced it, right? I mean, we've had a situation. I, I have senior people, very senior people all the way up to executives who have been here from like early days of the company and i have people from the outside so you know we've had instances on both sides and it's all about your ability to grow and scale yourself it's really important again it goes back to that eq of watching and learning and seeing what good is you should never be promoted just because you've been around here for a long time
1: but like a lot good. of fast growing companies like they just that's that's just what happens they just rise cuz they like
0: no one to do it it's true and you do end up in certain cases with, you know, situations where people, you know, are just they're not at the right job grade. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um was having a conversation earlier today uh with, with one of my leaders who was saying, you know, there's yeah, there's there's certain people within the organization who kind of may not necessarily be at that right job grade. And so we need to we need to help them, right? Yeah. It's one of three things. It's either we're going to give you all the best coaching that we can, and we'll try to get you to yeah. the place where you yeah. currently sit. Or, you know, we're going to have to help you yeah. change, right? It,
1: it seems like, like my observation is just that these super fast-growing companies, you know, are in such a flow that they'd probably be better off accepting the fact that they want to promote these young people and to help them, to just take carve out enough time, enough energy, enough focus to help those people grow into the roles they want them to have.
0: Yeah, well, but it happens across all levels it of the does. organization, yeah. right? Yeah. Look at some of the big flame-outs at the founder level, right? We know some of them, right, where... Right. They get replaced. You grow and you grow and you grow, and it's just become so utterly apparent what we actually... <laughs> it was just a recent class door review of one of our competitors where it's like, that's obvious. That's what's happening over there. Mm-hmm. Right. At that the, the most senior level, of the organization, they've just gotten to a place they're just out of their, uh, out of their element and yeah. out of their realm. Yeah. And, and that's really hard when you're talking about at the founder level. Yeah.
1: Did you, I mean, you started from nothing. You'd never been an entrepreneur CEO before. Have you done things to personally develop to help you grow into the role you now
0: have every day? uh literally every day. Um and you know, I'm not perfect at it and there's certain a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of days when I when I, I'm learning and I'm subbing my toe on stuff. Um I have a good friend who said, you know, just because I haven't been here before doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and but it might. But it might. Yeah. And so what you have to do is you have to come into every single conversation with your ears wide open, right? You Mm -hmm. can't automatically assume you're the smartest person in the room. You have to surround yourself with people who are going to give you candid feedback. You need to listen to that candid feedback and then you need to actively seek out support. I have, I've been working with a career coach, Gloria Zamora, I'll call her out by name. Mm. She's been one of the most important things that's happened to me as a professional. Forget about this business, Velocity Global. She helped me on the journey to even take this leap into entrepreneurialism. And she has been with me every step Mm -hmm. along the road of this eight year journey. She even works with my executive team and we get together regularly and she, she Mm -hmm. pushes me and she challenges me.
1: That's great. It sounds like a super constructive thing in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm guessing that it's helped you manage this, the challenges of having a family and having work. I mean, somebody that can help you see things more genuinely.
0: No doubt. You know, I knew when I started this thing, take that even a step further. I'm the son of a nuclear physicist and a health educator. There's no Mm. business in my family. So when I started this thing, you know, the imposter syndrome was ringing loud because I said, yes, I've got 15 years of professional experience, but I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I do, but maybe I don't. So I knew I had to surround myself with really smart people. So I created an advisory board early, early days. Two of those people are still actually on my board of directors mm. today. But I also sought out an organization called YPO, which early days I wasn't big enough to be able to, uh, to even apply for. Literally two months before I was big enough, I put on this whole effort. They somehow got, you know, managed to tell me, yes, I applied mm. as soon as I possibly could. I actually just got back from Iceland because I was with that oh, YPO group. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the group, you know, there's 60 people in my chapter, and, and those are my people, that's my tribe, and there are other CEOs and presidents and executives. And I thought I was joining that because they'd help me see around the corner from a business perspective, and they do, but they also help me see around the corner from a life perspective because we're going through that same journey together. And there's things that you just can't. You know, I'm certain people listening cry me a river, CEO, founder, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you know, your life is tough. But I'm telling you, it comes with challenges that you don't always foresee coming. And so to be able to have a network of of people who are kind of going through some of those same challenges at that sure. same time in life. Yeah. Um, it has helped me as a father, it has helped me as a husband, it's helped me as a friend, it's helped me as a business leader. Cool. Hey, I got one more question. Although
1: Listeners, you can't see this, but I've shoved about half my outline out of the way. We just can't get to it all. But I do have one other question because I'm really intrigued by what what I think is, of course, the impending metaverse. And the idea that at some point your clients could hire avatars, people they never see, they never know, who may be nothing like what they may portray themselves to be on screen. What do you think about that?
0: Is that part of our future? I think it's unquestionably a part of our future. Um, I have a little hard time wrapping my head around it because I just don't know all the impacts and implications. I think that there's amazing things about it from a equality standpoint. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't apply bias, visual bias. Otherwise, if we don't kind of totally know who's sitting on the other side... And I think, in ways that's really magical um but I think there's also you know there's also some importance to actually being together and and being one another and you know there's take that avatar thing even a step further. a friend who was telling me earlier today he said if you heard about how some of these kids are using a i to write their papers in school, yeah, yeah, so you may have heard about this. I hadn't heard about it and Yeah, of course. Goes back to integrity, goes back to cutting the corners. But if you could say, draw me a picture, you know, of an airplane in Iceland in a, this kind of style of art. And in 15 seconds, you have four different options because it's been all AI driven and it's amazing. And you deliver that to your teacher, it creates a whole set of kind of different challenges. And I don't, I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. I think it's inevitable
1: although i think i think humans are wired to have bias so maybe i don't hire a unicorn to be a coder uh hmm. you know i don't know yeah uh i i do think it's inevitable i do think it has amazing opportunity for complete lack of bias and yet and yet it uh, to your point i mean people want to be together sometimes yep
0: I certainly do Extroverts want to be together all the time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so is, uh, yeah, is Velocity Global going to have a, a metaverse site where people you think at some point will be applying for jobs? Oh, well, for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about that. We, <laughs> I know it because we actually recently hired, um, amazing professional, the head of all contingent labor for meta, um, globally, huh. um, yeah. he's actually based out of Ireland, um, Really, really great professional. I am thrilled we get the chance to work together. So many great and amazing ideas, but has been, you know, on the forefront of kind of some of that. It's really interesting to talk to him and hear about how Meta is going to this metaverse, but he's also responsible for all, was responsible for all contingent labor hmm. for Meta across the world, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands that, of workers every single yeah, year in an this amazing program. amazing lens. And so he's got some really interesting ideas of how that comes together.
1: All right. Well, I think we're going to have to
0: wrap up. We're just
1: about out of time. The
0: engineer is going to kick us
1: out at some point. So I'm going to wrap up. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. Today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Ben Wright of
0: Velocity Global. Great. We need to do this again. Dave, I'd love to, Ben. Thanks for your patience and scheduling with me. Um, It's really been an awesome time together today, though. Good listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360 where we say live, work, love
1: Colorado because you and I, my guests, can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the podcast successful by subscribing to the podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to show sponsors, Kingsley Meetings via Technologies and Colorado Biz Magazine. That's a wrap. Live, work, love Colorado. I should say work, live Colorado, right? Well, of course, from here you can work anywhere.
0: We can work anywhere. But you can only love Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) You can only love Colorado. That's right. Thanks. Thanks, Dave.